Hello world and welcome to Notorious P.O.D. I'm your host John Bass. It is another Hip Hop Forum episode, which means I'm joined by Cal Kaida. Cal's up in this bitch. What's up, son? Bo-bo-bo. Yeah, all good. All good. And we've got the notorious Thelonious Bill Fopping this motherfucker. Well, go on, well, Bizzle. It's been a while. How are we doing, boys? All good, Cal? How are you, mate? Yeah, man, all good. I've been fucking mumbling pop smoke like all day long. Billy Jean, that's Billy a... Jean, all day long. I can't get it out of my head. I saw your tweet that you you sort of like finally got into him. Kind of now he's dead. Uh, yeah. Like 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 a lot of us with great artists, it's like when they die, suddenly like oh oh they're great. I'm going to listen to all their back catalogue. Oh, get a I, 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 Yeah, oh yeah, get a print, stick it up <laughs> on my wall. Lovely. Yeah. Um, I was a bit like that with um with Winehouse. Like I liked her first album, and then when she got sort of massive, I didn't really care anymore. And then she died. And I, kind of got back into her i'm like ah, oh, it's really sad she's such a tortured soul so i'm i'm a bit of a hypocrite to be honest but there we go you live and you learn see how are you mate all good yeah not bad not bad um no there's much time to listen to as much hip-hop as i'd normally like to just they've you know, been busy with work and the football season started again so i just don't have half the time to listen to new releases but no, i've been good spurs won the game so exactly happy. onwards onwards and upwards um do you know what? It's a good point about the listen to music thing. I think we're, um, obviously, we're living in COVID times as we record, and we're about to go into a second lockdown, potentially. I'm missing out a lot of music listening time from my, my normal commute into town. And so that, that's where I listen to music like when I'm traveling and moving around. And because I haven't been doing it as much, I really have not been listening to as much music, like of any kind. You know, my um, feelings on modern hip hop is like not really top of my agenda, but I haven't really been listening to as much music full stop just because of the whole thing. So. So yeah, I get it. It's a bit of a shame. Um, all right, boys. Well, look, let's. Um, we've got plenty to get through on this episode. Um, I want to start with some uh, kind of modern stuff in terms of like stuff that's going on right now, uh, and then we'll get into some more kind of just uh, some more '90s hip hop talking points. But first of all, um, someone who's never like a w- far away from hip hop Twitter, Kanye West. Um, I feel I feel like you could do a pod, you could take a hip hop podcast and like any time in the last five years, and it would start with so Kanye West has done something fucking mental. Let's talk about it. Um, <laughs> this is just another one of those in a long list of mental stuff. So, Cal, let's talk about Kanye West pissing on a Grammy uh, and then going into his rent. What I want to talk about specifically is that me and you um, saw this on Twitter. I think we sent the link into our group chat, and he's like, "I ain't clicking on that." <laughs> Expecting it to be. I can't deal with this. I can't deal with this whole shit, man. No, I can't deal with piss. Shit. Broken bones, shit, and piss. But everything else is is available. I love everything, it. Everything else is fair game. But when I saw his PM, then I realised um, his cock wasn't on show, so it was okay to watch. Yeah. So yeah, in your mind, it could have just been any liquid. It could have been Lucas Aid Sports still, and exactly. it would have been more. Squeezy yeah, bottle. Exactly, mate. Um, so, Cal, what did, what did you think, mate? Because this was like a pretty much like 48-hour tirade, and then this was the sort of tweet that really stuck out, wasn't it? Yeah, he's still at it now, isn't he? He's kind of on this mm. uh, fuck the whole industry thing at the minute. He's kind of rebelling against the the established record labels, the established powers that be in music. And when I saw, <laughs> when I saw him pissing on a Grammy, I was like... <laughs> Oh, fuck, Kanye's lost his mind again. But you know what? I'm with him. I'm with him. You know, everyone everyone that listens to the Hip Hop Forum will will know that I'm not his biggest fan. I'm not a massive fan of his. But I'm kind of like, you know what? Fucking stick it to the man, Kanye. I'm with you, son. Fucking don't let him mug you off in front of your pals. Fucking have it. Yeah, he's on it every day. He's And a lot of artists, you know... Backing him and saying, "Yeah, yeah, he's right, he's right." But what I would like—I don't know how it works. Um, I would like to see more artists go for the streaming companies, really. Because do you remember yeah. not long ago I put a, a thing in our group and I and I showed the breakdown of of streams and what you get paid, and it works mm. out Tidal that pay the most pay twelve hundred dollars for a million streams. So. Who's deciding that? Is it the record labels deciding that? Is it the companies that decide that? Is it a bit of both? So I kind of want to see somebody have a shot at them because they're getting mugged off big time. 
Yeah, that's a, mate, that's a, that's a, that's a great point, right? Is that, you know, it, he's obviously going mad at like the record labels at the moment, but you're right, maybe he'll turn his attention to um, to other areas of the music industry that touch it. And streaming at the minute is like a massive subject and the amount artists get for it is kind of crazy. I also saw the guy who's head of Spotify basically saying if artists need to put out more music because, you know, the way that the world is and streaming works, it's like you need to stay current, so you need to pop out more music. And it kind of is, is a bit of a crazy situation in the sense of like the amount they get paid for their art from his streaming service is kind of a bit of a piss take for the amount that he's asking for. But um, T, T, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> T, what, um, what are your thoughts on that, mate? I've missed um, 90% of his rents, but I think they're about owning your masters and yeah. and those kind of lines. I mean, that's an argument that most musicians would relate to on any level, whether you like Kanye West or not. So so fair play to him. But then it's almost like he's... Is he playing chess or we're playing checkers? Is he trying to, is he saying something else more than what he's actually saying? It's a bit like kind of, he brought a mace, for example. Um, I don't know if it's about something he tweeted or an old bar he said that mace took issue with. So it's a bit of a, I'd say it's a bit of a scattergun approach, but I think kind of probably making a better point here than, than previously. What, what was his motivation for pissing in the Grammy though? <laughs> I think it was. It's <laughs> a good point. Let's get back to the the real crux of of this whole thing. Um, I think is it was it was a symbolic gesture of like fuck the Grammys and the way that they've they've treated hip hop uh, and him, which is mad because he's one of fuck low. Is he one that he's like because <laughs> as any time Kanye tweets anything or there's any subject about Kanye on Twitter, the 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 stands for Kanye are fucking next level. And so the first tweet I think that came next after the pissing on the Grammy was like, people were like, oh, this is a bit much like pissing on the Grammy. And then all the Kanye stands are like, yeah, well, he's got 20 more to piss on later. <laughs> so don't worry about it. And you're just like, holy shit. So yeah, I think it was just like a, a kind of swipe at the, you know, the award itself and the way that it's treated hip hop and, and artists. And he's always doing mad shit at these ceremonies, isn't he? Like, you know, Beyonce did one of the greatest videos of all time and all that shit. Yeah. Like, I think he just, he just sees it as like the kind of shadowy elite and part of the industry that he's just got a problem with. But I think my major issue with it, boys, and I'd love to get your insight on this, is like, when Kanye does say stuff like this, that is quite valid and is quite interesting and relevant for someone as big as he is. Like, this should be actually like a lot more groundbreaking. Like, if, if a... Um, a prince or a like in as, as time goes by like Paul McCartney or whoever like massive world renowned artists are talking about these subjects in the platform that we now have as Twitter which is a global thing it would be taken with more weight but I wonder if it's like because of some of the mad shit he's said previously that he's almost becoming a bit of a parody of himself and actually a lot of this stuff is just gonna just gonna fall off uh, Cal what, what do you think mate yeah, I think you got a point there. I think it because he's done so much mad shit before, like you said, it's like whole boy crying wolf thing. It's like he's yeah. he's said so much crazy shit before. A lot of people could chalk it up to oh, it's Kanye again. Oh, here he goes again, saying something mad again. Um, so yeah, I think I think that's that's really valid, and you know, perhaps he needs to find a, a better way of kind of getting his message out there really and it's maybe twitter's not the one for him you know maybe he needs to do more more instagram stories or you know actually speak to the people instead of just firing out a hundred fucking tweets at two in the morning and then and then disappearing for three months you know i think it perhaps would be better um yeah if he did that just about that mace line t um i just quickly looked it up it was on devil in a new dress he said yeah. leaving at the top that's how mace screwed up that's it, yeah. And, Wasn't that Remajor? Or was that Devil in a New Dress? Devil in a New Dress. Okay. And, okay. and um and yeah, so Mace, like a week ago, said he kind of owes me an apology because look at him now. He's now all for Jesus and all that sort of stuff now. And you were digging me out for leaving to go and pursue my my faith. And now you're doing the same thing. And then Kanye, two days later or a day later, said, Yeah, he's right, I owe him an apology, kind of thing. So that's fair. It's all fair. It's all made up. Yeah. Easy, easy for Kanye to say though with a billion in the bank. <laughs> yeah. A little bit yeah. easier. A little bit easier to be like, oh yeah, actually, yeah, you can have my little a shitty apology now. Yeah. I just um, think t- with 
I just think with Kanye West, there's nothing actionable within what he's saying. Yeah. There's a lot of rants, but there's nothing actionable. It's a bit like, um, you know, kind of very from topic to topic here, but it's a bit like the whole taking a knee in football, you know, the Black Lives Matter thing. Um, that's good visually, but you need actionable goals, whether yeah. you're going to diversify the workforce at board level, saying that he has to give some actionable goals. He's been in the industry for 20 years now, and he needs to give something tangible for people to do it's not sort of us saying oh you don't own your masters i mean people sign deals in desperation all the time but it's got to say well um okay well people are signing deals like this way maybe you should be asking for i don't know 80p to the pound whoever the fuck they they negotiate he's got to give something tangible and actionable in his future events you can't just say shit yeah mate it's a, it's a really good point and i think this is the part of the frustration a lot of people have with kanye is he says a lot of shit um, but there isn't really that much action in terms of like the, the things that he's he's talking about. And and you're right. I think it's like true of, of a lot of people. It's like it's very talk is cheap. You can say and do loads of things. It's about actually how you act and what you actually do. And, and, and that's really what counts. So, look, let's see. He's talking a lot of positive things that are, you know, hopefully beneficial to musicians, to you know, people inside in, in the culture, people from african-american community like let's see what he does um and give him the benefit of the doubt and um yeah we'll watch this space on that one and let's see what else he pisses on in the next few months so we'll, we'll see hopefully kim <laughs> <laughs> hashtag it's porn, up, porn it, up. yeah it's an interesting thing you know i've just had a thought because it's like i remember in the past we've uh, you know i remember talking about jim jones and jim jones had one of the early kind of cotch deals and he had the he was making like 50%, like 50 cents on the dollar for every CD he sold. But now with digital music, with Apple and Spotify and all of them, the companies have taken control back. Yeah. Back in the 2000s and the early 2010s, artists started to take control. And they started to go, no, nah, I'm not giving you fucking 80p on the pound. But now it's gone the whole other way again and the machine have, have taken control of the music industry again. And perhaps that's where Kanye's coming from. Yeah, absolutely. And also, like, just as a wider point, I think you're right. I think there was a sweet spot where the kind of independent movement started making some serious money because people could essentially just get distribution deal, do it all themselves because it, the cost had come down quite a lot. Now what we're seeing is, like, the exposure is well out there. Like, we've got SoundCloud and Spotify and YouTube and all these amazing places to get exposure. But all of those um, avenues lead to one place, which is streaming. So to make music, you have to go through these um, streaming services. And to make money from those, you, you have to shift a fuck load of units. And so people are now being forced into like, the only way to really make money is, is live shows and to do other things outside of the music to really like finance that. And obviously now with everything that's going on with COVID, that's like put a fucking death nail in the coffin. So the whole situation's a mess. He's talking about some interesting stuff. Let's see what happens with it. And um yeah, I think the music industry could do with a shake-up. Artists getting a bit screwed over for me, so it'll be interesting to see what happens. Um, all right, let's um, let's pivot to something very different. Uh, we spoke, in fact, the last uh, Hip Hop Forum episode, we spoke a lot about WAP. Uh, our, I feel like she, she's a friend of the show, so we talk about her so frequently, not just on, on this domain, but also in private, uh, yeah. Meg The Stallion. Um, and, and after that, there was a lot of fallout um, around that track obviously it became a, a massive hit like absolutely humongous but in the mix of all the kind of PR and the press that was going on um, there was also um, a bit of uh, controversy around the shooting that had happened sort of around the same time um, and T you, you put this in the group I believe in terms of she actually named uh, Tory Lanes as the shooter um, and then obviously the whole fucking internet exploded in, in what happened. So um, just love to get your take on it, mate, and what, and what you thought about the whole situation. Well, yeah, she did an Instagram live where she did name him as a shooter. Um, I think his team were putting out stories in the press about how the argument is over one of the Jenners. Don't get the name wrong, Kylie or Kendall, one of them too. Um, so them to having a row about her and it culminated in them to having a fight, like physical then she left the car and he shot her. So that's the kind of angle it came from, whereby the angle that she told was nothing like that. And um, and it also kind of, the fallout of it was a bit weird in the sense that people are saying she's a snitch for 
exposing them as a shooter. They're talking about, you know, there's not under, they don't have the same energy for 6 9 um, for being a grass and she's grass, which is utter bullshit. And then another layer is that, you know, black women are very, very unprotected in society generally. And they're the ones who are putting themselves at the forefront of activism and all the rest of it. And a black woman gets shot and no one gives a shit. People who posted memes, I mean, that's the nature of the internet these days. And she was on Instagram Live, no makeup, just dead serious. This is what happened. And um, I guess the irony is, is that Tory Lanez did the whole quarantine sessions and he was getting traction of that. And then this has happened to bring him back the other way. So it's a lot of irony in in the whole thing. Yeah, Cal, uh, Cal what, what, um, what was your take on this, mate? I think I think T summed it up pretty well. But what, what did you think? Yeah, I think it's, you know, he, you know, Tory found a way to fuck everything up, basically. <laughs> and uh, yeah, he like like T said, he was getting some traction. He was doing well. He was people were checking for him. Like companies were interested in him and he just found a way to fuck it all up. And you know, like T said, there's the whole stuff around being a snitch and all that. Megan Thee Stallion's a civilian. She's not, a, she doesn't claim a gang. She doesn't claim a set. She's not a gangster. So the whole snitch label doesn't really apply to her because she's not, she's a, she's a civilian, inverted commas. She's not someone that's in that life. So that whole snitch thing doesn't really, doesn't really apply there. Yeah, I, you know, I 50 Cent was kind of posting memes and stuff, but even 50 Cent apologised, and 50 Cent never apologises. Yeah, yeah. Like, he doesn't apologise for anything, and even he was like, do you know what? I'm out of order here. And I think it was a bit out of order, because, you know, it's, like T said, you know, black women are the most unprotected, you know, group of people in the world, and it's, it's you know, it's it's good that, that, that she's fronting up and is speaking up for herself, because no one else is going to do it for her. So she's fronting up and it's not affected her career at all. She's doing great. She's on the cover of Time magazine this month. I saw this morning. Um, So, yeah, I hope it I hope it all gets resolved and he gets what's coming to him, really, because you don't go around fucking shooting women. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, saying really, you don't go shooting women in the fucking feet. No. I mean, yeah, if, don't don't go shooting anyone if you can help it. I mean, so I'm going to come at this from a different angle, which is like, um, you know, put yourself in a situation you're having you're having a row with another person. That person is um, twice your size and weight, and you feel f- physically intimidated. So what else <laughs> you going to do? Pull out the strap and shoot her in the foot. Pow pow. Um, you know, to, to, Tory Lanes uh, is the smallest man in the world, which I I knew he was short, but I didn't realise he was that small. And um, Megan the Stallion, true to her name, is uh, yeah. He should call himself Tyrion Lanes. I don't think either of you watch Game of Thrones, but <laughs> yes. that's what his two say they should be. We've got the same initials as well, TL. So yeah, exactly. Mate. It's just it's t- Tyrion versus the Mountain, mate. That's what it was, <laughs> and he and he was backed into a corner and he acted, mate. So. You know, if I'm his lawyer, that's that's the route I'm going. He felt physically unsafe and decided to act in, you know, to protect himself. And then on top of that, I think he sent her a text saying, Oh, I was drunk, that's why it happened. <laughs> so it's just it's not really go it's not going very well for him. Um, you know, I think she's made recovery from from the injuries that she sustained as a result of the shooting. But you know, she can't miss, you know, and that, that, that Snoop Dogg video that's doing around, she, she can't miss. She's done um, Savage, she's done WAP, um, she's yeah. done an album, she, you know, she can't she can't really go wrong. And um, I've got a lot of time for her because she's not, she's not stupid, you know, she's educated and everything she does is calculated. It's not like she's just out there singing about slackness in her body and stuff. There's, you know, there's something behind it. It's her brand and she's taking ownership. I mean, her and Lizzo have a lot of parallels whereby, you know, Lizzo is a big girl. She's not part of the, you know, the ideal the ideals of beauty and the same of Meg Italian being five foot ten, six foot plus in heels. But she's owning it, you know, she's taking ownership of her body and how she looks and she's empowering people who don't conform to the norm. So you know, I've got a lot of time for Meg Italian and, you know, it's uh, it's good that she's made a recovery from what happened. Yeah, no, I totally agree, mate. And yeah, and all jokes aside, like I think it's a crazy situation for someone, anyone to deal with, um, to to be in a situation like that. And so the fact that she's kind of carried on with her career and has actually gone from strength to strength, just kind of, you know, props to her for doing it. Um, 
And yeah, long may she prosper. Nas. Now we, again, there's, there's certain artists we talk about a lot and Nas comes up frequently, whether it's us talking about how he slags off Illmatic, but it's his only album that everybody universally lords. We also talk about whether or not that should be the only album that's universally lauded. We also talk about how uh, Nas and Jay-Z's beef is one of the best beefs ever. And we've, we've gone through loads of different subjects with Nas. What is nice to talk about for a change is new music uh, from Nas. So I want to talk about the, the latest album. Um, so, so Cal, I want to start with you, mate. Um, right. Nas's album, uh, what's called King's Disease or whatever it's called? Mm-hmm. King's Disease. Uh, I'm going to ask you a couple of questions. One, did you give a shit? Like, were you excited? And two, what are your kind of thoughts having listened to it now? Or have you listened to it? Uh, I have listened to it. Um, was I excited? Not excited, um, but the day it was, the day I knew it was out, I jumped straight on to hear it. Like, I wanted yeah. to hear it. Uh, because, you know, we've all slagged off Nas and perhaps his beat, his, you know, his beat selection or perhaps some of his projects haven't been that great in the past. But it's Nas. And... You, you want to hear what he's put out. I actually liked it. I actually really quite liked that album. I thought it was pretty good. Um, I liked the firm reunion was a nice surprise. I'm a massive yeah. Cormega stand, so I was really happy to see him and Cormega on a track. And then the little sneaky Dr. Dre cameo at the end, which isn't credited, it's just there at the end. Um, I liked Car 85 of Uncle Charlie. I liked uh, Ultra Black. I thought that was really good. The track with Big, I'd liked it. I liked it. Anderson Pack can't go wrong with Anderson Pack. Really, he, he, everything he does is great. Uh, I liked it. I really, really liked it. I thought it was pretty good. It's one of my one of the better albums of the year, to be honest. I actually really quite enjoyed it, and I have listened to it. So, you know, not the whole album, but I've listened to songs here and there pretty much ever since it came out. To be honest, great. So that's a pretty pretty good um, report back. T, how are you? Um, how are you faring with this album? And were you excited, mate, when it was announced? So no, the album's perfectly good. I just feel that because of Elmatic, people said it's not Elmatic, but you know the features are good. You had Anderson Park on there, you had the firm, and it's definitely got repeat play value for me. Um, I think one, of, I think the creator eight made a very good point that the subject matter isn't earth shattering. You know, Nas is someone who's got a lot to say, but I don't think he said an awful lot on the album. If okay. if you're really nitpicking that way. And uh, I'm probably in agreement of that, but as a as a body of work in and of itself, I really I really enjoyed the album. I think it's still got a lot to offer, and it's still probably got another classic in them. Yeah, I think again, like fair assessments. I haven't gone back to it that much, but I didn't um, I didn't listen to it and think, oh god, I'm never going to listen to this again. I just haven't got round to it. But I, I but I agree. I think there's some really good tracks on there. Ultra Black for me is is one of the standouts for sure. Um, and yeah, I mean, who doesn't want a firm reunion? Like, if if you if you're a fan of like AZ, Cormega, like it's gonna it's gonna get you. And I liked it a lot. I thought that was great. That track. Um. So yeah, all round, it's like I haven't got a. I'd say I'm kind of on a five out of ten score. I'm probably at like a six seven. Like it's above halfway, but not enough for me to be like, oh my god, wow, what an amazing album. But the thing is with Nas is like the sort of standard is still like really high. Like he's actually, he's, he's always just got bars and yeah. it is it, always that same old thing of like, it does ultimately come down to, to beat selection. And actually I thought the production on this album is pretty good. This is hit boy, right? Yeah. 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 So, so production on here, I thought was at first it was a classic, like when it's announced, oh, Nas is doing an album with hit boy. Everyone's like, Oh, I didn't know Primo changed his name to hit boy. Like, <laughs> Everyone just desperate for that Prima Nas album. Um, but I thought it was good. Like I thought it actually matched his style, unlike the sort of Kanye and Nas like album that, that seemed a bit of a clash, like from a sound perspective. This seemed to make a lot more sense, which I think was good. Um so yeah, overall I thought it was it was decent. And I feel like there is definitely still more to come from from Nas. Um what what does Nas need to do? to get you excited to the point where like you would genuinely be excited for an album coming out like cow what, what what would really get you going mate uh, a black rob feature that would probably make <laughs> me happy if he had black rob perhaps on every track a joint album that'd be pretty good um, 
not nice. nothing really. I think maybe yeah. I think you said about Primo and Nas, Large Pro and Nas. I think if he if he perhaps advertised, I'm going to work with you know. Um, I'm going to have a who's who of producers on my album. I'm going to have AZ. Wasn't AZ such a fucking, wasn't it so great to hear him on that track when he came in on that track? It was so great. I think because earlier on in the album, you have Big Sean. And Big Sean's cool. He's all right. I wouldn't buy it. I wouldn't listen, listen to an album of his, but he's fine on a verse. And then Anson Pack, I love him. But then to hear AZ, I was just like, <gasps> it was just, yeah. So that would probably make me excited. Um, that would make me excited. More firm stuff, Cormega, you know, more QB kind of QB kind of people. Really, uh, I have to say as well, Foxy Brown's verse was fucking terrible, <laughs> but it didn't matter. But it was awful. It was fucking awful. But it, wasn't it didn't. Great. It was really bad. But <clears throat> it almost didn't matter because they were back together. You know, yeah. it didn't really matter. But it was fucking bad. <laughs> so, but yeah, just cool features and cool producers that's what we want from every album right we want cool yeah, features and cool producers what else is there to, to ask for yeah it's true see oh Carl kind of stole my answer but um <laughs> an az an az and nas album would definitely excite me a lot uh i'd rather be sticks with one producer i don't want them doing chicken boxes having all every other producer on the map um primo is the obvious one but i'd probably Go slightly left for the say Pete Rock. Um, yeah. Pete Rock did an album with Sky Zoo, did an album with Camp Low, Smoke Dizza. They're all amazing albums. I think a full album of Nas and Pete Rock, a Nas and AZ album with Pete Rock would probably do it for me. I mean, that would really excite me. Um, I'm not sure if it's coming, but I think hearing AZ's verse on the album gave me an appetite to hear that collaboration a lot more. Yeah, mate, absolutely. That's a that's a great shout, actually. Like, I didn't really consider like a an AZ and Nas like double album, basically. Both of them that would be fucking fire. I would love. I love AZ. Like, I'm really big on him. Like, I think he's fucking amazing. So, them two would be sick. I I was kind of just going absolute route one, which is like, why not? Why not a DJ Premier produced uh, Jay Z and Nas album? Yeah. Yeah, just too fucking big, and just and make it. Honestly, there's no point in trying to hide away from exactly what it is. Just make it a nostalgia trip. Just go. We're gonna make uh, a mid '90s premiere album in 2020. Just cause fuck it, cause nostalgia, isn't it? It's nostalgia but season. I get you. Do that bars, modern bars, but old sounds, cause that will make me happy, Cal. That's all I fucking want. I mate. get you. But how is Jay-Z going to fuck him over? Because every fucking album, Jay-Z puts something out to fuck him over. You put out that shit single. Well, he tried. Yeah, he tried to this time. That single was so bad. It was so bad. But that's the thing. He could do an album with Jay-Z, but then Jay-Z wouldn't have that opportunity to fuck him over, would he? I'd like to hear. Or just by out-rapping him, I guess. Well, he could just launch it the night. Like, they'll have a launch date of like yeah. the first and he'll just release it on Tidal on the 31st it'd be like a hip hop Cobra Kai wouldn't it you know what I mean <laughs> fuck's sake <laughs> watch that shit it's amazing yeah right I will what I want to hear is AZ and Nas do like a really introspective really conscious Brenda's got a baby type song and it's right, really heartfelt. Marsha and Brosius on the on the hook, and then fucking Nems comes in right at the end and goes, "Yeah, fuck you, I fuck you, yeah, fuck your wife, fuck your fucking ass, <laughs> fuck Nems. you, Marsha and Brosius, I'll fucking numb your face." <laughs> Nems as as bonded the hip hop forum from the very, I think our first ever official hip hop forum episode was when garbage got introduced. <laughs> Our, our WhatsApp group is still called Hip Hop Forum. Garbage, garbage. That's what I want. I want Marsha Ambrosius. She's like, ah, like proper singing. And then he walks in the booth, fucking shoves her out of the way, and goes, "Fuck you." <laughs> <laughs> and Flea Lord on back of it as well. Yeah, Flea Lord as well. Yeah, exactly. All right, perfect. Well, look, let's um, let's leave that in that be- that beautiful space of time. I'm away from them's. 
go from one uh, killer of a mic and just general disgusting guy to an actual murder case. Um, have either of you boys seen any of the um, series on Netflix where they do like the killing of Jam Master Jay? They had like um, the killing of Sam Cooke and like, all these like famous high cases of like big artists that were, were murdered or killed controversially. Have any of you seen like any of that series? Because there is one about Jam Master Jay, which I've not seen yet. I watched the Jam Master Jay series. I watched, I watched that. Yeah. Um, the whole. Yeah, but, yeah the so whole, go on. Interesting. No, go on, mate. Go on. Yeah, I mean, it's all it's all a bit suspect. I mean, it's a bit like with most of these murder scenes, murder um, dramas. There's someone who's outstandingly, who's obviously, you know, implicated, but they don't arrest him or her. And um, it's just like he did so much. He discovered 50 Cent. Something that I didn't know before watching the documentary. You know, it's very good watching Netflix. But, no, it's just fucking tragic because he seemed a bit more... I mean, the other two in one DMC, I'm not sure they're as street as um, Jam Master J was. Jam Master J was always in the hood. You know, that's where his studio was and that's where he ultimately met his demise. And the, it, gave, it gave a lot of insight. But, you know, there's been um, a development in the case. I think a couple of the cops have been... Arrested, isn't it? Have I misread oh, that? Yeah, so, yeah, two two people arrested in uh, earlier this year. Um, it's obviously an unsolved murder for for eighteen years. So, so yeah, it's pretty um, it's a pretty interesting development. Like you say, it's pretty devastating considering, like you know, in the mid nineties, there was a lot of fear around a lot of artists. Obviously, with the whole Tupac and Biggie, and obviously Big L thing, like a lot of murders happening, and it was kind of crazy open season on hip hop. They kind of went away and Run DMC were kind of in that earlier era where it wasn't as gangster as that middle 90s period. So mm-hmm. it just felt devastating that someone from that um, kind of era and from that group and around that time would, would kind of meet their sticky end. And then for, you know, it to be unsolved for, for that long is a kind of a, well, not, not particularly shocking indictment of the American justice system, but um, it's not particularly great for, for people involved and fans and all the rest of it. So it's it's good to hear that at least something is happening with it. What's, um, what's, what's yeah. really bizarre is that, um, you know, Russell Simmons, you know, he's a brother of Run, who's part of Run DMC. With the amount of gravitas he has, even though he's a bit rapey, <laughs> you, you'd have thought he'd be able to find a killer by now with his kind of pull. You know, he's he's a big deal. And it's only just 18 years on that they're finding, you know, the people who may have done it. Yeah, it's, it's true. I mean, I, I think, yeah, this is part of part of the frustrating issue, right, is that we all, all of us here love love hip-hop and love all the things that go with it. And some of the things that go with it is the street code of silence. And so a lot of these cases, the reason that they're unsolved is because it's part of that pact of, of silence, which is why it's it's... You know, it's very frustrating for everyone involved that these killers aren't found, but it's also kind of live by the sword, die by the sword type mentality, right, Cal? Uh, there's, and there's just a huge distrust of police. Yeah. You know, in, you, you know it's for someone to, that perhaps would know about it would have to put themselves out there and then you have to trust the police to protect you. And when you're every day watching people around you getting harassed by the police, why are you going to... Sorry, uh, again, harassed by the police. Why are you then going to help the police? You know, it's just not, it's just not, not really going to happen, is it? So I, I see why it happens. As, as frustrating as it can be, when you know people that do fucked up bad shit, you want them to get caught and for justice to be served. But at the same time, you can see why it doesn't. Yeah, no, absolutely, mate, absolutely. Just, um, just to take it like slightly to to the right. Yeah. Uh, what is your favorite hip hop murder of all time, Cal? <laughs> Oh, my favourite hip-hop murder of all time. Um, oh, I don't know, you know. Uh, <sighs> probably, uh, yeah, probably Tupac, I guess, because he was asking for it, wasn't he? <laughs> <laughs> he, was asking for it. he was getting a bit gobby, wasn't he? <laughs> yeah. okay. how, about, how about you two? Um... Ja Rule's career by 50 Cent. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He bought all the tickets for his concert and only one person showed up and that's 50 Cent. So I don't even know if so it's good. even true, but it's one of those where it's got so much traction and everyone believes it to be true. So, 
Yeah, I remember, I remember good... when someone like photoshopped Fifty Cent sat in the crowd in the empty crowd yeah. right, at the back, and I in for a second I thought it was real. I was like, oh my god, please, that'd be so great that he's just sat there at the back going, hey Jar, how are you, you fucking tramp? <laughs> I just bought all your Groupon tickets, your mug. <laughs> The thing is, though, he, he genuinely did. I mean, it's, it's like all jokes aside, he genuinely fucking ended his career. Like, I, I mean, I, I was going through like a playlist the other day of just like uh, poppy, hip hop and R&B stuff. Right. And there was just fucking banger after banger from Ja Rule. And I was like, fucking hell, man. The guy had a hell of a run, was just putting out big commercial records, making loads of money and just everywhere. Mm. And 50 just fucking ended him. Was just like I don't like this little prick. I'm just gonna fucking. I'm just gonna do him over, and that was it. He was he was gone. He was banged up, and now he's complete laughing stock. So, I mean, yeah, it's it's got to be up there with one of the most brutal murders in hip hop. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. That's fair. I, I imagine I imagine that music as a whole would have got bored of Ja Rule's shtick pretty quickly. I just think Fifty Cent, his sound and his kind of change. He was completely different in terms of his sound. And the way him and G Unit were kind of moving, it was totally different to their murdering Jar Rule, just surrounded by fit women, basically. I just think hip hop was ready for a change, and Fifty Cent just happened to be that guy at the time. Yeah, mate. So it's a good point. It's like you know we we spoke about it before in, in terms of like there are eras within eras of hip hop, and sounds change, and things or albums or artists usher in that change. And you're right. I think that was probably just one of those moments where it's like that kind of R&B poppy cross, crossover was so popular that it was like, actually, just want a bit of an antidote to that. So even though 50 was making like commercial records, like in the club is it's by no means fucking street shit. But it's still, it's still not fucking like a girl singer on the hook and, you know, yeah. talking about like mesmerizing shit like that. So, so yeah, yeah. mate, so it's, it's a very, it's a very fair point. <laughs> Welcome back to the final part of the Hip Hop Forum. Uh, we are going to be tucking into some some business matters, gents. Uh, we, we were talking right at the start about Kanye West, telling people out there to own your masters and fuck the record labels and all the shady shit that goes on in, in the record industry. Um, and one of the things that we kind of put in our Hip Hop Forum chat was around a story about RZA selling... Um, some back catalogue for for Wu-Tang and also his own back catalogue. Now, the article doesn't give us details of songs or albums, but it is over 814 pieces of work. Now, I know Riz has produced a lot of shit for a lot of people and has put a lot of his own stuff out under Bobby Digital and other things. But I would imagine out of those 814 pieces of work, there's probably some seminal Wu-Tang material that has been sold to um, to this company, they're a business called um, Hypnosis Songs. Um, they have spent some serious money over the last uh, few years acquiring back catalogs. They have music um, from the likes of Timberland, um, Eurythmics, and they spent nearly 700 million to acquire over 42 uh, different catalogs. So these guys are buying up a lot of music and buying up a lot of ownership. So, so to you, it'd be good to, to know from your perspective, like how how do you feel about uh rizza kind of like selling this is this a sensible move are you concerned that like wu-tang stuff might not be available so easily um involved in this deal like what, what are your like first thoughts on this type of um, business deal man no it feels like um a bit of the old was it michael jackson beatles type shit isn't it where he buys everything that they've got and he gets all the money it feels like there's some people in the wu-tang clan who are not exactly flush of cash and they get and they cut the pies even smaller, so it feels a bit like that. Yeah, for sure. I, I think that that was one of the things I took from it was like watching the Wu Tang documentary and seeing the reactions of some of the guys about the stuff that RZA was doing separate to them and kind of profiteering off some of their efforts. It just it didn't sit particularly well with me. Um, Cal, what did what did you what do you think about this whole scenario, mate? Yeah, that was my kind of first thought when I saw that he did that. And it was like the Wu-Tang stuff. Like, if he wants to sell his own music, fine. 
like his solo stuff then okay fair enough but then when i saw that he was selling like wu-tang stuff i was like okay well i hope the other guys are getting sorted out as well because you can see like riz is very much the hollywood guy isn't he he's done a lot of films he's done a lot of tv he's he's in those kind of circles hollywood kind of circles and it makes me think oh mate i hope you've not just fucking sold out and just fucked your mates over basically it was what what my first thought was kind of thing hopefully they all get fucking maybe maybe he's looking at it like almost like that chap that that bought the paid the million dollars for the one album that no one else was ever going to hear maybe he saw a sucker that was gonna give them a lot of money for music that perhaps isn't going to be worth loads because of how little they're getting paid in terms of streaming Maybe he looks at it like, well, streaming ain't giving a shit, but this geezer's this gives is going to give us fucking big money now. Maybe he looks at it like that, perhaps. Do you know what, mate? That's such a really good take. I, I never considered that, which is like in, in the Wu-Tang documentary of Mikes and Men, which is worth checking out um, if you're a Wu-Tang fan, there is a lot of animosity about the whole Martin Screlly album thing and that they were kind of tricked into doing verses that ended up being on an album and regardless of whether or not anyone's going to hear it, they weren't happy that, you know, their verses were being used and they weren't aware of what was happening. And essentially Rizzo and the other guy who were responsible for the project kind of pocketed that money themselves. Right. And may- maybe you're right. Maybe this is him going, fuck, that was bad. And I did actually fuck the guys over. Someone's coming to us with, let- let's call it, I don't know, 40 million for all of this stuff. I can divide that equally between everyone and everyone's set up for life. Maybe that's the way maybe that's the way he's thinking and maybe maybe actually he's like do you know what we what are they now most of them are late 40s early 50s right so he's probably yeah. thinking if i can secure everyone's livelihood comfortable livelihood for the next 30 40 years i've i've, I've made up for any mistakes that i've made in my life previous to that so you know maybe we're being generous but maybe that's what he's um maybe that's what he's doing yeah, i think with the with the advent of streaming there's not a lot of money made from music in and of itself, so yeah. maybe that's how the Rizzo saw it, is that, you know, if he's, if he said all this, well, you're not going to make as much money as you would have back in the day. I don't know if, uh, I don't know if they own the publishing or they just own the songs of themselves. I'm, I'm not sure. So, you know, I mean, the whole thing is just to own your masters. Did he give them... If he's giving them away, then I can't see the logic. Yeah, it's a... It's a... I mean, again, it's a really good point because I think one of the things um, to go right to the, the start of the show that Kanye was talking about is leaving his masters to his children and passing that down through the generations. And it, it's a way of kind of securing the wealth through generations. And so, yeah, you're right. If, if that does go away, it's like, yeah, great for them in the short term. But where does it leave the next generation of their family and providing that kind of generational wealth that is so important to kind of thrive for future generations? So, yeah, it's interesting. We'll, I guess... We'll keep an eye on that story, see where it goes. It'd be, it'd be interesting to find out or to see what the other members think of that deal um, and whether or not there's any views on that. So we'll, we'll keep that one in the back pocket and see if we can go from there. Just to pivot from um, RZA to Method Man, we'll keep it Wu-Tang. Um, Method Man was in, a, was in a battle, which I don't think anyone saw that coming until it was like, oh, by the way, there's this battle available to watch. Uh, Method Man versus uh, noted battle rapper Math Hoffa uh it kind of just came in a whirlwind and like left as quickly as it came basically it was yeah. really weird i was like oh fucking hell this is massive and then all of a sudden it was just gone from the annals of time um have you have you seen it cal and what, what did you think of the battle itself first of all man? i've not seen all of it but from what i did see he didn't disgrace himself method man and it's you know it's almost like um it's it's you know boxing fans will know a couple of years ago some professional professional boxers were allowed into the amateur sport to compete mm. in the olympics again and it's kind of like that you know amateur boxing and professional boxing even though they look the same are completely different sports and it's it's almost like that even though you know math offers a rapper method man's a rapper it's two completely different skill sets they're not you know you're not crafting a song you're not crafting an album you're not trying to stay on beat you're not trying to fit into uh you know the theme of an album or the theme of a song you're just trying to fucking get the other guy you're just trying to spit bars and i think if you're if you was to pick if you was to pick someone out of wu-tang you probably would pick method to, to do a battle you know if we're just talking about wu-tang i think i'd probably pick him or jizza to if i wanted someone to be in a battle i'd pick one of them too i think they their style is kind of lend, lend itself to that kind of arena 
But he didn't disgrace himself. He did all right. He did better than Joe Budden did. Joe Budden kind of mugged himself off when he was talking shit about all the battle rappers and then ended up losing losing the battle. So, yeah, I, I think he did good. I'd fair play to him. What did you uh, What did you think, Tim? I think he was helped by COVID, to be fair. Um, if that was in front of a live audience, I'm not sure how that would have gone down. Um, now, in, in contrary to Cal, I don't see Meth as a battle rapper at all. Um, I do agree that Jizzle is probably the one I would have picked. But um, I wouldn't have Method Man in, in that arena at all. He's not that kind of lyricist for me. Um, but it's a completely different skill set. You know, um, yeah. there's some people who do... I can do this a video. Let's see Carl a fucking screwdriver. How dare you fucking disagree with me? God, sorry, <laughs> to carry on. Um, I'll come up there and stab you in the brain. Live <laughs> <laughs> yourself up. Um, Fuck off and get in. <laughs> Live no, yourself up, you can. I wouldn't have put um, Method Man in their battle, but another thing that's notable about Method Man, it, does, it doesn't spur in his music. He's, mm. He made a decision a few years ago about not to swear on any of the songs he makes, so having to do the battle in those conditions as well probably helped him. But if I have a live audience, I'm not sure how Method Man's performance would have gone down, but I thought they were, I thought he held his own. But it's just such a completely different, arena, different skill set completely. And, you know, songwriting is a skill as is battling. Mm. And if you can combine the two and make a success of your career, then you've... Yeah, you've, you've done the job. Yeah, definitely. It's, it's a really good point about like uh, the different skill sets required. I mean, in a way, it's like you can't win if you're method man in this scenario, right? Because pe- people's expectation, I think with a crowd or not, actually, people's expectation is like they want you to fail. Like people want method man to fail because he's method man. And a lot of people that aren't in the scene of battling don't know math offer, right? So for them, it's just like from a banter level, it's like hilarious if Method Man loses. Those people that are in the battling world obviously have a bias against Method Man winning because it kind of disproves that it's a different skill set if Method Man can just come in and just fuck their shit up. So it's, it's kind of onto a loser. So in my mind, I saw it as a very, actually a kind of very generous offer. It's a little bit like um, the best Premier League team saying, do you know what, we'll, we'll play uh, Jogger Benito against the best Jogger Benito team live on TV for everyone to watch. right? And when, when they get either smashed up or or it's a draw, just they'll just stand there and just go, well, actually, you know, everyone's got to watch this. And we, you know, this wasn't our skill set, but we wanted to promote the game of Jogger Benito, like small-sided football, futsal, whatever it is, right? So they can't really win because they'll probably lose the actual game itself. But ultimately, the only reason that anyone's talking about it is because of Method Man, not because of Math Hoffa. No one gives a fuck. If Method Man's not involved in this, no one gives a shit. So it's kind of like, he's got nothing to lose. Um, and, it, and it does kind of shine a light on battle rap which i think is a is a good a good thing um but one thing i was was interested to know is like we friend of the show and, and just general friend of ours tony d uh one of the best battle rappers this country has ever produced um is is an elite uh rapper now what i would like to know is if we use tony as the yardstick which i appreciate is a very high uh, metric can we think of any other artists that aren't battle rappers that we think would not necessarily win, but wouldn't disgrace themselves? And and you can have Alive or Dead, uh, UK or US, that we think would actually be able to battle to a certain extent. Let's let's start with uh, start with UT. You got any ideas? Hang on, my sound's gone again. You fucking sorry. Yeah, you fucking mad. You fucking skinny man. man. I put skinny man. Oh, good shout. Skinny Man is a good show. Now, what you've got to do, you've got to go on YouTube, look for Skinny Man Battles, and he's fucking amazing. Um, I think he narrowly missed out on battling Eminem, and he would have probably held his own. Oh, shit. Shit, I'm just going to leave that in, because that was a fucking banger. That's so good. You've got to do something with that, John. For sure, mate. you've got to do something with that. In the fucking room, now. I'm gonna. Do you know? Do you know what I'm actually gonna do? Because I'll take this and edit it on Garage Band. I'm just gonna put a beat behind that, yeah, and uh, just uh, drop uh, uh, some uh, bars uh, over it. Yeah, that'd be great. Uh, uh, uh.
And I was thinking about this, and I was thinking, actually, if that had happened a little bit earlier, and they had a bit more of a chance to get the corporateness into him and the professionalism and the team around him. So he was working with Pharrell um, and like Just Blaze and that whole team, Premier and stuff. They were making stuff for him. Um, that all right? It wasn't necessarily like what we wanted to hear from him. The craziness, the manicness of what he was doing with Wu Tang is, is ODB at his best. But I think if he'd have just got through that period in his life where maybe he was a little bit out of control and ended up obviously like passing away i think if he could have avoided that period i think we would have seen some quite good stuff from him and if you look at kind of the juxtaposition of like rockefeller where they were at that time to what he was bringing to the table and how jay-z and the whole rockefeller team saw him i think that 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 jay-z could have made him into fucking top tier um and and made made more of his commercial ability because he was so likable and he had he had actually some hits, didn't he? Obviously had that song with Praz and, and Maya. Uh, he also had that one with Khalees, Maybe I Got Your Money. So he was already making commercial hits, and I think he would have, um, given a bit more time, he would have made some also good solo proper hip hop projects. So that would have been that would be my shout, I think. ODB. Cal? Um I've I've got a couple of thoughts. Um you could i think you could argue jay electronica signed to the wrong label um yeah. you could argue that that you know i remember him and um rockefeller and bad boy were kind of having a bidding war and he probably would have ended up in a worse position if he went to bad boy to be honest because every fucker ended end up in a bad position from i the other one that, that popped in my head was oh, Ray the rugged man he's really funny mm. he's funny he's quirky He's got bars for days, but he's he's kind of hardcore. He's really hardcore. Perhaps if he'd have toned it down and made the odd single and, and to the right label the right time, he may have been much, much bigger than what he is because he is so fucking talented. We've said this on the last great podcast, shout. how talented he is. I think he's a shout as well. It's a great shout, mate. Great shout. T, any thoughts on this one, mate? Um, probably Cool G Rap. Um, I mean, he's pretty broke right now, but... Bless him. I mean, he the first solo album did four, five, six had Fast Life of Nas. Um, I don't know the particulars of his deal that he had, but maybe if he was at the right label and the right production, he could have been. I mean, he's in my top five of all time, but he would have been an inarguable top five if he would had the right direction in his career. It's a good shout. The the other one that's just spring to mind when you just said there about Raskas is is OC. OC had some early early doors bangers, uh, and I think like he kind of at, at a certain stage was like one of the most respected around. And for whatever reason, it didn't work out the way that it should have done. And I remember on the, the Stretch and Bob documentary, that was the artist that they were kind of like the most sure would be like fucking idolized and become massive. And and he's not quite on the same kind of stature as some of the other artists that that have gone on to do massive things. So so again, yeah, maybe timing for him might have been might have been a good one. He was and on. Then, um, he was on Breaking Atoms, wasn't he? Yeah. I listened to the first half, not the second half. But it's, you know, it's always engaging. You know, it's a very interesting story. When DITC got together, I think he was the main guy, and yeah, I guess Big L kind of stole his thunder a little bit. But you know, he's another one whose discography I'd recommend everyone checking out. OC, he's been very consistent. He did trophies, uh, the Apollo Brown, mm. and and stuff with apathy as well so if you're into your boom bap then definitely check out oc's discography but don't check out any other hip-hop podcasts because those breaking out and boys i'm gonna chase you down the street next time i see you with a fucking <laughs> screwdriver <laughs> <laughs> not really they're very nice one of them's a wrestling fan like me and he's a cool guy so but exactly awesome. i saw you two you two nerding out over belts we were nerding out over wrestling yeah. belts the other day it was good <laughs> yeah. fun it was good fun. Amazing. Was yeah. 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 So I was like, there's no, there's no chance that there's ever going to be a beef between Notorious no. P.O.D. and Breaking Atoms because you yeah. two will just come in with a fucking, with a plastic chair or just like, <sighs> like throwing <sighs> each other through, through table like the fucking Dudley boys. Yeah. Um, Best sport in the world. <laughs> uh, and the final question from this week's show um, is friend of the show, my brother-in-law, Corey Barra, asks, what hip-hop holy grail item <laughs> 
would you buy if money was no object from a Sotheby's type hip hop auction? I thought that was a fucking belting question. Did you see? Uh, I think why? Why did you see what happened? I think that's why this que- this question was inspired from Biggie's plastic crown being sold. Oh, good shout! Yeah, I didn't put that together, but that's probably what it was. Yeah, six hundred bags. That's it's a lot, a lot of cash for a plastic crown, um, but it's such an iconic piece of um, memorabilia, right? I mean, yeah. it's uh, it's on our logo. It's, it's that famous picture of Big that we've obviously got animated for our logo, uh, and it's in pretty much all pictures you see of Big is that is that crown, whether or not it's like drawn on or the actual one. So that's a it's a good shout, mate. Um, what what would be your answers then, boys? Any any ideas of what you'd go for? I mean, I'd probably go for the bullet out of Meg the Stallion's foot. <laughs> uh, I don't want oh. to know what you're going to do with that bullet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you, don't, you don't want to know, too. You don't yeah. want to know. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, with or, me, it'd be or, um, Yeah, go on, T. Go on, man. With me, it's mainly album cover stuff. So, um, whether it be the Dapper Dan outfits that um, Rakim wore on Pays and Fall or Follow the Leader, or maybe the BMWs, or was it the Mercs that EBMD sat on? Because it's strictly, right. business, not strictly business, fuck, business as usual. One, second or third album that they did, and they sat in the cars, maybe having that car or the outfits that they wore, so something like that. It's a good shout. How about you, Cal? Tupac's death row chain. Oh, shit. Yes. Love that. Yeah. Fuck. Yeah, I just think serious. we've spoken before about hip-hop jewellery and how iconic it is, and death row is probably... It's so simple, but it's so iconic as a as a chain. Tupac's obviously no longer with us, and to have you know to have the chain that must be. I don't know what happened to it, but that must be worth millions. Mate, that's a great. So the car that he was in has been auctioned, doesn't it? The one that yeah. was shot up that's been auctioned off for like over a million dollars, I think. Yeah. Which is which is nuts. Yeah, that would be good. I wouldn't. Exactly. Long, long may it rain. Over a <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, I wouldn't comes. mind like <laughs> fucking Ian Duncan <laughs> Smith comes barging in. <laughs> the ge- the geezer may, mate. That's my name. Yeah, the geezer. <laughs> <laughs> oh, classic. Um, I wouldn't mind. Yeah, I think the album covers um, like iconography is quite a cool idea. Like. Jay-Z's, I don't know if it's a fedora, the hat he wears on, um, like, the first album, Reasonable Doubt. Yeah. Right. That would be pretty cool, and stuff like that would be, would be pretty would be pretty good. Maybe, like, original like original artwork. So, like, the original artwork for Illmatic, right? That would be pretty sick if you actually had the actual picture that yeah. they, they first superimposed, like, his, his face over the, the blocks. Like, stuff like that, I think, would be pretty cool to be like, oh, this was the first copy of that would be would be really nice memorabilia so yeah definitely stuff like that but i think um cal yours yours is a winner mate the jewelry two pack that would be sick yeah what you just said about artwork as well one thing that i occasionally find myself glancing looking for on ebay because i'm a sick cunt um is uh double xl magazine issue number one it's i think it's in the bronx and it's a picture and they're on like a stoop and there's probably about a hundred people there, but they're yes. all rappers. Like it's yeah. everyone you can think of is in this picture for the first, yeah. e- for the first issue of double XL. So every now and again, I will just go on eBay and go, I wonder if anywhere, any fucker's got that magazine kind of thing to see if I can get it. But um, that would be great to have that picture. That would be really cool. Mate, that is a great show, and that picture is fucking amazing. So I have a book which is sort of like uh, an encyclopedia on like sort of the golden era, basically of hip hop. And in this, in a sleeve, it, well, the first two pages is that picture, and it is literally like think of anyone basically who was a good rapper in the nineties, and they are yeah. in that fucking picture. It is yeah. phenomenal, and the story behind it was was around kind of like the gangs and the violence and the shit that was going on around that time and it was kind of an idea of like bringing people together to try and show like a side of solidarity but it is it is fucking amazing that picture because it is just everyone yeah, on the street everyone it's, it's epic like and, and it's kind of a little bit like where's wally like you go through it and go where's this person and mm. like you find them and you're like, oh shit like they're there and it's everyone it is a fucking who's who of hip-hop and it's a beautiful picture because 
in a lot of scenes, like various different scenes, like where it's like, I don't know, the punk era of the 80s or the garage scene in the UK or the grime scene now, it's like, you won't find a picture like that. Like, you won't find a picture of like pretty much every major player in that entire scene in one shot together on that same day. It's quite an, a unique piece of art for uh, mu uh, music and culture that is now so huge. So it's amazing for sure. Boys, thanks very much. Been a pleasure. Um, really, really enjoyed this episode. It's always fun talking to you, boys. Um, thanks very much. If you've enjoyed the episode, please um, rate and leave us a review if you want. What we'd really like is for you to leave us your um, five for five. So tell us your five favourite MCs of all time. Not necessarily the best, but just your fa five favourites. That's all we ask. Uh, and then just leave us a nice little review. That'd be that'd be great. Um, boys, if people want to follow you, Cal, where can people find you, mate? Uh, at BC, the Grand Slam. Always. Bosh. Everywhere. T? Thelonious Filth on Twitter and Instagram. Beautiful. Well, thanks very much. Uh, thanks for joining us and get ready for the next episode. Peace. Thank you for listening to the Notorious P.O.D. A Hip Hop Podcast. This was a Hip Hop Forum episode, so a special thank you to Cal and T for their insight as always. Big up to man like Grindhouse, who's made all the theme music for the show. So please follow him on Twitter and show him some love. At Music Grindhouse and on Spotify by searching for Grindhouse. That's G-R-I-N-D House. Please remember to leave us a review, or as we call it, your five for five. So give us a five-star review, and in return, you can leave us your top five favourite MCs of all time. Remember, we'll be adding all the songs mentioned and featured in our episodes on a Spotify playlist. So if you search for the Notorious Podcast Joints, you will find it. If you don't already, please follow us on Twitter at NotoriousP underscore O underscore D. On Instagram, we're at the Notorious P-O-D. And follow me on Insta and Twitter at the Real John Bass. That's J-O-N-B-A-S-S. -S. See you next time. Peace. Peace.